right. Uh, as Dennis said, uh, I am actually not your normal speaker. Pastor Chris is your normal speaker, and he'll be coming in next week. But I have the privilege today to speak to you. And what we've been going over so far is the book of Acts. And today we have this titled Act 1, Scene 1. And instead of actually going through another chapter in Acts, I decided I would take something a little bit different, and I would give you guys a little bit of a filler episode. So last week, Pastor Chris went over Acts chapter 14. Next week, he's going to go over Acts chapter 15. And I decided, rather than give a chapter, I wanted to step back a little bit and give a big picture view of the look of Acts. Lots of times when we come to read the Bible, we might take it as a single verse, or we might even take it as a paragraph or a chapter that we read within the Bible. But lots of times there's a lot of beauty to being able to step back and see things from a bigger picture point of view. So the way I like to describe it is almost as though we're looking at things from a words, worm's eye point of view, where we're on the ground and we're just looking at all the different details. It's not bad, it's really good. It's very beautiful to be able to see things from this worm's eye point of view. But also, what we can do is we can take a bird's eye point of view, where we get an aerial shot of seeing the big movements that are going throughout scripture and what God is doing throughout time and throughout history. Just to give you guys some more pictures like I did with the kids, I have a picture of some flowers. If you take a look at flowers, you can see their colors, their wonderful beauty. And if you take a little bit of a closer look, you can see the details of how they're designed and how they're made and the patterns that move throughout them. But if we take a step back sometimes and we take a look at the bigger picture, you might see the flowers within Holland and how they're gardening them. And you can see the purpose of how they've lined up the fields in these beautiful ways. You might go to uh, this garden, which is actually in the Middle East. I forgot the exact country that it's in. But if you only were seeing things from this type of perspective, you wouldn't see the grand picture of the airplane that's there. One last picture that I thought was really cool from the internet is being able to see this garden, which is actually in China. And you can see the designs and patterns that are there. But it would all be missed if you weren't able to take that big picture shot. So what I'm hoping to gain today is get this big picture perspective of the Book of Acts and be able to better see how God's hand is moving throughout this scripture and this book that we're reading. One change of perspective that I want to be able to have, that when we are reading the Bible, lots of times, one question we get a little wrong is, who is the main character of the Bible? Lots of times when we might be reading a, a story in the book of Genesis, we might think it's Adam who's the main character. He's the human who's going and he's taking care of the garden and he's encountering the struggles in the story. Lots of times we might think it's Abraham who's sent on this journey and he's promised to have all these children and he's going through all these struggles. And it's easy for us to relate to him so we think that he's the main character. But I want you to take another look and think that, you know, maybe it's actually God who is supposed to be the main character of the Bible. And that these words that we're reading aren't just supposed to be guidelines about our lives, of what it is that we should and shouldn't do, but what it is is supposed to be showing us the beauty of the character of who God is. And then being able to see that beauty of who he is, we want to be able to have relationship with him, and that then might lead us to how we live our lives differently. Um, one of the interesting things that I've noticed whenever I've read my scriptures is that 
there always seems to be a different aspect of God that takes the forefront of Scripture at different points of time. And you could think of it as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, you see that God the Father is the main acting part of Scripture. You see little parts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit around there, but God the Father is taking the major forefront of it. And if you go into the Gospels, you see the stories of Jesus and how he's going around and preaching and healing all these people, and he's taking the forefront of Scripture. And if you read in our current book, the part that we have is the Holy Spirit, who's acting and moving the most strongly through this part of Scripture. What's also interesting is that as each of them take the forefront, as each of them is supposed to be in the spotlight so that everybody can see them, that seems to be the time when they are the most misunderstood and also the most rejected. When we go back into reading the Old Testament with God the Father interacting with Israelites, lots of times we think, oh man, they're so silly. You know, it's obvious that God is God, that he's doing all these miracles and things that we should be able to follow after him. Or we might read about Jesus, who's doing all these miracles, but he's even getting rejected as well. He's getting rejected to the point that they even decide to kill him. But now we have the Holy Spirit. And it seems as though we don't really expect him to be around in our day-to-day -day lives. We don't see how he's moving or how he's interacting with us. And it becomes very difficult for us. Um, I thought about it, and this is just a guess, but I thought maybe the reason why God the Father was so hard for us to accept is because he was above us. He's giving us these laws and these rules, and it makes us feel so distant from him. I thought that Jesus was difficult for us to understand him because he was human. We thought, how could a human be God? And for the Holy Spirit, we thought, actually, I want to ask you to think about the question of why is it that you think that we reject him? Maybe it's because it's hard for us because he's actually inside of us. Each of these parts of God are interacting with us in a different way than we're not used to. And each time he moves this next step, we have to learn to be able to adapt and see how he's moving in this type of way. I thought I might show you every single occurrence of how the Holy Spirit is acting within Acts, but I thought that would be a little bit too much. The Holy Spirit, or uh, another name for him is Numa, actually is mentioned 125 times throughout the book of Acts. I just want to emphasize that point that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the main character that's acting in the book of Acts, and that there's no one else that can compete with him in this story. Also wanted to give you guys a big picture aerial shot of what the book of Acts looks like, and use a couple different lenses, or if you guys like Google Maps, use the different layers to be able to see what the book of Acts looks like. Acts has 28 chapters, and if we break it down, you can see that uh, chapter one is just intro, chapter two to seven talks about the acts that are happening within uh, Jerusalem. 12, eight to 12 is Judea and Samaria, 13 to 28 is the ends of the earth. And I hope that as I read this out to you guys, a little switch goes off in your mind, remembering something that you've learned, all should have learned before. And it is our theme verse. Uh, 
Our theme verse reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. This isn't just a coincidence that the way that the book of Acts is set up is in line with our theme verse. It's also not just a prophecy of God, of Jesus saying what it is that he's going to accomplish, but it's God saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and then he goes and does it. He's accomplishing the things that he promises and says that he will be able to do. Another way that we could uh, just take a look at it is some of the things that are familiar to you guys, the books of the Bible. Uh, I hope it's big enough for you guys to be able to read, but you can see through some Judea, Samaria, and you start to see the books that are being written. This is, uh, some people have some different views about the order of the books, but I don't think that's really the big deal of what's going on here. What you see for the first gospel account is the gospel of Matthew. And if you didn't know, each of the gospel accounts is actually written to a different group of people. And the book of Matthew is actually written for the Jewish people. It's meant for them to be able to recognize who the Messiah is. And if this is really the first book that was written in the Bible so that everybody could be able to know the story of what God has done, it makes sense that it was written for the Jewish people. And then what you go on and you see are something called the epistles. These are the letters that the disciples are writing and sending out to the nations. So as it's first going to the Jews, uh, to the Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria, it now is getting sent out throughout the world to all these different places and to all these different churches across the nations so that they can be able to know who's, what God's story is. And then it goes into Luke, which is also a gospel account written for uh, non-Jews, and Mark and John as well. Next way that we can actually look at it is some of the events that have happened throughout history. So you guys know about the story of the Pentecost. We've seen Peter preaching throughout this time, and we've gone over this as we've studied Acts. And I would say in chapter 2, this is probably the first occurrence in which you might see the early church. Maybe it's the first church that we ever have. And the reason why I love saying that is because what are we doing now? We're doing the exact same thing that these people were doing back then. And then you go on to Judea and Samaria and you see Paul's Damascus Road, which everybody knows the story of. And then we see this vision that Peter has. He's up on the rooftop and this sheet comes down and God says, eat. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. These are things are unclean. I shouldn't eat these things. But God says, no, what I have made clean, you should partake of. So what God is trying to tell Peter is that no, it's not just meant for the Jews. It's not just meant for a specific group of people, but it's meant to be able to go out to all people. And like us sitting in the room, I don't know how many of us are Jews, but I don't think there are very many of us. This story of God being able to reach out to the people wasn't meant to be segregated to just one group, but you see the spreading out of God's love for all the people so that all people might be a part of his family and his kingdom. You see... The first time the term Christian is used, and then you go on to the ends of the earth, and it's Paul's first, second, and third missionary journey as he's going out to all the people, and then you see Paul's arrest. Uh, we've heard a lot about this with all the persecution that goes on throughout the story of Acts. Paul's freed. He travels more trying to spread as much of the good news as he get, can, 
and then he gets arrested again. And he's killed and he's martyred. And then there is the prediction of the fall of Jerusalem by Jesus, and then it happens. Next one is where lots of people like to think of as almost the end of Acts, or the end of the New Testament. It's the death of the last disciple. John was considered to be actually the youngest of all of the 12 disciples. And uh, there's a lot of different beliefs on how he died, but basically he was the last of the 12 disciples. And when he passed away, lots of people think New Testament, done. But I love this last point, which is called Polycarp. Who actually knows what Polycarp is? Raise your hand. No? Okay, a few people. Polycarp, first off, is not a Pokemon, okay? It is not a Pokemon. Uh, it is not a polygon plus Magikarp put into an animal, okay? Polycarp is actually one of the disciples of John. Polycarp then had his own disciple who was named Irenaeus. All of the other disciples that Jesus had, all of the 12, all had their own disciples. You look at the book of Mark, who was he discipled by? You look at the book of Matthew, who was he discipled by? There are these disciples that are related to each of the writers within the book of the Bible. And if we could trace our lineage far back enough, every single one of us could trace our spiritual lineage back to one of these 12 disciples. That this story of Acts isn't just ending once John dies. Maybe the reason why one of us heard about Jesus Christ is because of Polycarp. Maybe one of the reasons we heard is because of Luke, who was discipled by Paul. All of these continue to go back, and we are also a part of the story. My goal in being able to look at this big picture of Acts is to recognize that this, if we step far back enough from the story of Acts, it isn't just the Acts of the Apostles, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And the Acts of the Holy Spirit continues to this day and age. We are living in the age of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of a powerful movement for us, moment for us to be able to recognize and think about that and let that sink in. There is a part of God who is working in this day and age right now. And it's difficult for us to see because that seems to be the trend with God. <laughs> we misunderstand him, we reject him, we dismiss him. Whenever it is, whatever part of him, he is revealing the most prevalent at this point in time. I just want to tell you guys a couple stories just to be able to emphasize how, you know what? God is still moving around the world in this day and age. We've heard about the missionaries who have gone across to overseas. China, as some of us have our lineage, our bloodline lineage from, was reached to by missionaries. And they didn't know about Christ, but what's interesting is in China, they're actually having a back to Jerusalem movement where they are not the ones who are having missionaries only sent to, but Chinese are actually sending their missionaries to the rest of the world and spreading this good news of Jesus Christ that God loves them and God can save them from their sins. There are stories of people even in North Korea where they are starving from famine and they have become Christian. And when they're Christian, even though they themselves are starving, are deciding to choose to share food with people who are around them. And when they decide to share food with the people around them, the people are like, 
what is that that you're doing? This is so different. If anybody has food in our country, they keep it to themselves. But what are you doing that's different? And because of this, people are asking questions about why they're different, how God has changed their life, and coming to know Christ as well, even in the darkest place, on, maybe the darkest place on earth, North Korea. If the book of Acts is continuing on to this day and age, and our theme verse is talking about us moving from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, then that means that this verse actually applies to us in our lives here and now. So when I read this verse, I think, I don't know Judea and Samaria. I don't know Jerusalem. I've never been to these places. But what are... What is our Jerusalem? What is our Judea and Samaria in our lives? And what is our ends of the earth? I might make a push for the argument that our Jerusalem in our own lives that we are supposed to conquer, or not conquer, but spread the good news to first might be our own personal lives, our own hearts of where we are at as individuals. I might say that Judea and Samaria might actually be this church and the community that surrounds us here in Torrance or in Palos Verdes or in Gardena, wherever cities that you guys come from, that God is asking us not just to stay within our own selves and try to nourish our own lives of where we're at, but that we should love one another, the people who are in this room and those who are in Torrance and those who are struggling, those who are walking down the street, those who you drove by today while coming to church. And the last step is to go to the ends of the earth. I, when I joined this church, I was actually pretty happy to see all the missionaries that you guys support, that you're actually supporting my cousin who is in North Africa, who's spreading the good news. We are supporting other people in other cities around California to be able to spread the good news as well. But that our goal is to be able to share this good news with everyone across the world. This is a little picture that I like to use to represent the ends of the earth. You could see that there's darkness over this land, but there's these spots of lights that are everywhere. You could just call this modernization, but if you can imagine this in spiritual terms, you can see that the lights are lit up in little certain areas and that the lights can be able to spread and go to other parts of the world. This is a picture of North Korea. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but North Korea is such a poor country, so held back, that you can't even see the lights that are going on in the country because so many of them are turned off. You could see South Korea, you could see China up above it, but it almost looks like it's an ocean there because there's so few lights in North Korea. My hope for you guys today, uh, the takeaway that I want you to have from this message is don't forget about the details, but don't get lost in the details. A lot of things are going on in our lives, a lot of things that we're reading in the book of Acts, but I want you to be able to take a step back that as we continue to go through this series in the book of Acts, you could see how their story that they're telling isn't an individual story, but that it relates to us to this day and age. Even the persecution and the struggles that they're going through, it's happening to many people across this world right now. Our story is still the story of Acts. And second thing, 
that the main character isn't actually supposed to be us. It's not us trying to be the hero who's going around doing all these wonderful acts, but it's supposed to be the Holy Spirit that we're moving with and we're supposed to be exemplifying that as we show love to somebody and someone says, thank you, we don't just think, oh, I'm such a great person. But the fact is, we try to be able to let them know and see, hey, it wasn't just me who was doing this work, but it's the Holy Spirit who is working in me to be able to go out and to love you. Uh, I wanted to end this message with a little bit of a different twist. For you guys who I might call Bible nerds, I wanted to give you guys some resources if you ever wanted to learn a little bit more about the book of Acts. Uh, there's this thing that you can write down. It's called The Bible Project. The Bible Project. If you Google it, it'll come up. It is one of my favorite resources on the Bible, and honestly, they do great work. A lot of Christian work or things that I see nowadays isn't actually that interesting. It doesn't capture my interest. They don't explain things in a good way, and it's done in a very cheesy or corny way, but I'm really happy that we have this type of uh, resource for us to be able to learn from, the Bible Project. And if you go there, they talk about major themes throughout the Bible. They talk about different books within the Bible, and they'll even do word studies. So you can look up their video on the book of Acts, and it will show you what the main themes are going through the book of Acts. Another one that I might uh, recommend to you guys is a book. It is by Francis Chan. Has anyone read this book? No? It's a really good book. When I first heard about it, it's titled Forgotten God. I thought, what is he talking about? And it's basically the same idea I was talking about earlier, that lots of times we remember God the Father, and we talk about him a lot. Lots of times we remember Jesus, and we talk about him a lot. But the part of God that we talk about very little is usually the Holy Spirit. That is it for today's message. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys this big picture view, and hopefully that this would open your eyes to seeing how God is moving in your lives in this day and age, and also how it's moving throughout the scriptures as we continue through this series. So I'll end this in some prayer.